Hey mamas, while I have your attention for just a few more seconds, I couldn't wait to get on here and share with you all about this app that I'm recording all of my podcasts for you through. It's called Anchor, and it is truly the easiest way to make a podcast. Don't believe me? Let me break it down and explain to you. First and foremost, it's free. That's right, it does not cost you one cent. And even better, there's actually creation tools inside the app that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's really that simple. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You also can make money from your podcast, hello, with no minimum listenership. So, As in the words of Jerry Maguire, we can all say, show me the money, baby. Basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So moms, as you know, I support every mama having a voice. Your voice needs to be heard. So go ahead, go download the free Anchor app today and get your voice heard. Share what you're passionate about. Go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's Anchor. .fm to get started and I look forward to listening to you very soon. Hello, hello all you fabulous mamas of the world. I want to thank you so much for joining me, your host Cheyenne Clayman here on another episode of Moms Matter where yes, you, you and every mom that you know in your life has a story and your story matters. And here on Moms Matter, we love to give as many moms as possible the opportunity to share her story, to share her voice and have her story and her honest, her genius shared with the world. And that is no different when it comes to my guest today. I have been having so much fun since I started this episode or this podcast about six months ago, kind of letting the women of my life, the women that I know that have poured into my life, uh, shine their stories and, and tell us about what it's like to be a mom. Well, now I've begun reaching beyond my borders and meeting new moms uh, through social media. And this lady right here quite literally is a border um, crosser and reacher herself because we have something so beautifully in common is that we are both expats, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it's a simple little term that means that we are people living outside of our country uh, that we were born in. And so before I spoil too much of her story. I want to let her share so much more of it than I do. I would officially love and I'm honored to introduce on my podcast today, Mrs. Miriam Altimufore. How'd I do? <laughs> you did great, Cheyenne. <laughs> you, that, was, uh, that was pretty much uh, on the spot. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to be here today and have this discussion with you. Um, and I think it's, it's quite an important discussion to have. As you mentioned, we're both expats and becoming a mom is quite a big event, a big milestone in your life. But when that event takes place on foreign soil, uh, it's a whole different ballgame. And when you're becoming a mom on foreign soil in the middle of a pandemic, oh my gosh, that's a completely different ballgame. So I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to just change our experiences and as far as I'm concerned a little bit about me I my name is Miriam I am currently an expat living in Lisbon in Portugal so uh, on the same continent as you (laughs) over in Brussels Um, and I'm originally from Pakistan uh, except I grew up abroad so I grew up in Bahrain and the United States and then Pakistan as well so I'm what you call a third culture kid who's experienced mobility from a very young age and then just continued with that whole process of living abroad, moving abroad for my own studies, my own career, um, having a family and raising them abroad as well. So I've lived in about 10 countries to date. <laughs> um, for now. <laughs> for now. And uh, I've raised our children in um, a very multicultural environment. Um, I have three children who are born in Singapore, Dubai, and Lisbon. And they have been raised in these places uh, and as well as in West Africa, in Ghana. So uh, they are truly these global citizens and we are raising them with multiple cultures, languages and multiple homes. Um, And 
I'll be very happy to talk more about that <laughs> with you. Thank you, because I, I, I'm sure all the moms out there, including myself, have maybe our jaws dropped still a little, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think that it's just so fantastic hearing your story and hearing it's something you said that was so poignant to me is that your children really are global mm -hmm. citizens you know they don't necessarily belong to just one place or one culture but so many and in so many places and and I'm curious you 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 shared how in the beginning maybe um so your family you were born one place and you traveled and grew up in a couple different countries and then you went for your studies um would you mind sharing with us everybody loves a good love story would you mind sharing with us how you met your husband yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I'll be happy to. Uh, I was 20, 21 years old when I uh, left the U.S. I was studying in Massachusetts um, and I decided to do my junior year abroad um, for college and over to the UK and um, that's actually where I met my husband and love <laughs> intervened in the shape of a six foot uh, half German, half Italian guy who, uh, you know, we were just in the same orientation meeting together um, for new international students. Uh, and that's how we met. Um, this was in Brighton in the UK. If you have any listeners <laughs> from the UK, <laughs> you may be wondering <laughs> where yeah. this was. So, yeah, we met in Brighton and um, we were both obviously quite young. I was 21, he was 23. Um, I was doing my undergrad, he was doing his graduate um, program, and, you know, um, we decided to, you know, do this life together. But as a Muslim Pakistani female, um, being with a German, Italian, Christian, Protestant boy uh, who, you know, didn't speak the same language, didn't come from the same country, um, and didn't grow up eating the same food. On paper, we were nothing uh, alike. And so um, we, we thought we had a lot in common. You know, we thought that we had the same values and the same outlook on life, the same kind of curiosity for traveling and living abroad and, and uh, eating different food and speaking different color, you know, speaking different languages and absorbing all those, you know, uh, different cultures. And so on, 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 the, on paper, we had nothing in common. And, uh, but in reality, we had everything in common. So as you know, with most multicultural stories, <laughs> um, and especially for uh, women of color like myself, um, who may encounter even more more obstacles or even more difficulties or even more, um, you know, uh, you know, they're challenging society's perception of who their partner should be. So um, this is quite, uh, you know, it can be quite tricky to maneuver a multicultural relationship in that setting. Um, but we were very lucky to have support from both sides of our families who really did support us and really did help us. And, and of course, you know, this, this can happen. And so here we are, we've been married for 15 years and uh, we have lived in, oh gosh, I've lost how many countries together, over I think seven, seven countries together. With, and now we have our three kids. Uh, so, you know, uh, a multicultural relationship definitely can work, no matter how different the two partners are. Um, and it's interesting, Cheyenne, because I don't think anybody ever teaches you on how to blend cultures. At least nobody ever taught me what it's like and how to blend cultures. It's something we had to learn for ourselves. And that's truly been the learning along the journey. Absolutely. You're, you're so right. Especially if, um, you know, I think what's awesome is I feel like life taught you a little bit because you grew up in so many different cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, but in my experience, especially one going back and forth between the U S and now being here in Europe, I think one thing that especially my or our part of the world, since like you said, we're on the same continent offers <laughs> is that there's so many different cultures all mm -hmm. in one place. You know, mm -hmm. it's amazes me in Belgium that where I'm from, I could drive two hours and be in three or four different countries where mm -hmm. in the U S I'm like, I'm lucky to get out of one state and that right. amount of time. And yeah. so uh, my, my upbringing until I was 15, I lived in uh, way upstate New York where it was mostly, I'd say 80, 90% white English speaking, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. third or fourth American or generation Americans at that point, you know, sure, a lot of us had maybe Polish, Italian or German mm -hmm. um, or Dutch descendant, but it was many uh, over a hundred years. Um, so it was so 
incredible to hear your story and to hear that um, you were raised in several different cultures. And then um, now your husband, I'm so curious because you said you guys met in an international meeting at your college and he has the German Italian mix, but where did he actually grow up? <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, so he, he was born in Germany okay. uh, and raised in Germany. Um, to make matters simple, his mom is German and his dad is Italian. So his dad came over to Germany when he was young, looking for work and ended up meeting his mom and ended up staying basically. And um, my husband, uh, Martino, grew up in this cross-cultural environment where he was speaking German with his mom, Italian with his dad, be relating to uh, being very German, but also relating to being very Italian, <laughs> you know, eating Italian food and, mm-hmm. and speaking Italian and going to Italy, uh, you know, many, many times in a year. Um, so he grew up straddling these two cultures. And it's so funny because when we met in England, he said, hi, my name is Martino and I'm Italian. Um, <laughs> and with a name like that, I just believed him, right? Yes, because, of I mean, course. That, that seems to be, you know, that checks out. And it's only later, I think, when I heard him on the phone, talking on the phone with his parents, I'm like, what language were you speaking? Because it didn't sound like Italian to me. And he said, oh, I was speaking to my mom and it was German. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? And then out came the whole story that actually he's born in Germany. He's been raised in Germany pretty much his whole adult life. Um, he did a, he did a high school year abroad in, in the U.S., in Nebraska, of all places. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, predominantly he's grown up in Germany. But because he was always uh, made feel uh, as the Italian kid and somehow that's also an interesting point because sometimes it's how society views us as opposed to how you know we view ourselves that actually yes. ends up shaping our identity because on the playground he was constantly told well you're the Italian kid and mm. that's actually what he internalized and so his Italian side is very very strong even though he grew up in Germany but of, of course according to him when you're meeting a uh, when he's meeting a girl yeah, it's always the Italian side <laughs> he knows he knows which culture has the you know, right suaveness right. <laughs> and that's another really cool thing when you grow up in different cultures you can sort of mix and choose and adapt that what side of yourself you present first right so it, it really is you, you have more yeah. tools in your tool belt i i feel like you can really uh use it when it maybe benefits you (laughs) if you you can but something Mm -hmm. that you um, brought up that you know something for instance in our multicultural family we don't necessarily have to encounter is my husband and I were from very different cultures we grew up in different continents and speak different languages but we are um, you know when from the outside looking in we are both from the same race so Mm -hmm. we don't have to maybe encounter um, all the societal perceptions of you know a relationship that you would because sometimes I feel when I'm walking down the street with him here I'm thinking people could think I'm Belgian like I don't look kind of too off or in the U.S. People, mm-hmm. He's a little tall for an American, <laughs> but uh, people wouldn't necessarily immediately say like, wait right. a second, those two are different where you and your mm-hmm. husband have had to confront that, I, I could imagine, since day one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's and it's really varied, you know, depending on where we were. I mean, uh, you know, England is quite a multicultural melting pot. So mm-hmm. normally if you're walking in London, you're going down Piccadilly Circus, nobody would, <laughs> you know, turn around and, and look twice at you or give you a second chance, right? But we have lived in countries where our uh, skin color really not only stood out but even uh, was a factor in how we were treated (laughs) meaning a, a different treatment based on skin color or based on ethnicity or based on what people's perception was where who we were and where we were from um, you know, so um, it's, it's interesting because we're not only multicultural, but we're also in this biracial uh, relationship. Our kids are both Eastern and Western, you know, um, it's, 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 you know, really interesting, makes this very apparent, um, perhaps to your face. So people would definitely notice like, well, we're not from the same country <laughs> or we don't come from the same place. So I guess our, our otherness is really out there for people to, to notice and it's usually the first thing people might notice about us. 
Yeah, it's it's funny because I feel like there's a bittersweetness to both. I think every mm-hmm. every family has a different story because it's like in some regards, um, I don't know if you felt this way, but I've talked with other mamas that are, you know, that have mixed race families and they say, you know, sometimes we just want to blend in the background. Like sometimes we just mm-hmm. don't want to deal with it and it's mm-hmm. hard when you have to face it. And then there's people, um, there's other families like ours that I've talked with that said sometimes people don't realize the struggles we face because they're not so in your face, you know, like, um, one of my, one of my biggest battles, um, that a lot of people, mamas listening on this podcast know about, I've been very open with is that, um, my bonus daughter does not speak my language. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I've been her stepmom for two and a half years. And recently we actually became her full-time, um, parents and caregivers. So I kind of stepped into this motherly figure role with her and and she is also a preteen. So that time (laughs) when, <laughs> girls really need you. That's a great combination. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All, all as we love that icing on top of the cake, all at the start of Corona when I gave birth for the first wow. time. Yeah. Um, but I share that just to say it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, it is, it's like that different um, dichotomies, you know, it's mm-hmm. like some days um, I'm so thankful and happy that we don't stand out. It's like nice to not have to explain yourself or deal with that outward criticism. And then there's sometimes where people just think, Oh, you guys get along perfectly it must be so easy to blend you guys have got mm-hmm. it like there's you guys practically look like you grew up in the same culture and and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like those hid, hidden things that Absolutely. I think only fellow multicultural families can really fully understand yeah because what you just mentioned there that's a I mean that's a huge thing if you can't speak uh, if you can communicate in the same language with your with your daughter with your stepdaughter um, I mean or she can't understand you does she speak Flemish or French or both but not English. She, Did I get that right? Yeah, almost. She so her native language is Flemish, and Flemish. what's okay. really great now is that um, in our three years almost of being connected by family and being together is um, I have now learned more of her language and mm-hmm. she she now understands almost to a detriment to us. She understands almost everything mm-hmm. we say. She understands about 90% English, um, but she's still afraid to speak it. So that mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty big thing, you know, language. I mean, we can really talk about that because it's truly uh, such an integral part of who we are and how we communicate communicate and then to blend that in a family together um, and it might not be apparent to some people as you're mentioning whereas I can tell you that that's a huge huge thing happening in the background perhaps which you know and you're experiencing daily but it's not really evident to anybody who you know looks at your family walking down the street so um, that can be perhaps doubly uh, difficult to sort of bring up or, or show it to the outside world. Um, that's, it's really quite interesting. I mean, you know, for us, we've lived in different, so many different countries where um, in some in some places like Singapore and Dubai, like almost everybody there was kind of like us, so multicultural, mm. so multiracial that our daughter didn't think anything, for instance, was, was strange about us. Nobody like cared that I was a Pakistani who'd grown up abroad and, you know, my husband's mm-hmm. half German, half Italian and mm-hmm. that our daughter says, oh, I'm from Singapore because that's where she was born and, and raised initially and our son says, I'm from Dubai you know I mean (laughs) you'd get different answers depending on who you asked in our family Um, because we all five of us are born in different countries and we don't share the same worldview we don't have the same idea of home we don't you know our first language is not the same everything is different so we've got these multiple identities crossing for us Wow. In our family. Um, But that's very interesting, I think. And I think um, it's fascinating to discuss it because many people, especially in multicultural relationships, don't know all these things. And nobody usually teaches them how to adapt to a different culture or how to speak a different language or what to do if you've got a family member who doesn't understand your language. Because, I mean, I I had this issue with my in-laws, my my Italian father-in-law speaks Italian and German, but no English. So for the oh. first two years, I couldn't communicate with him yeah. um, until I actually learned a decent level of German <laughs> where we could start having conversations. It's like, oh, this is great. So, you know, there's so many struggles uh, that go along with uh, with being uh, part of a multicultural family. 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, what you just said right there, it's just, it's funny because I, it depends on your outlook. Some people um, have told me, and, and I even see this in your situation, some people have said, you know, sometimes it may not be such a bad idea that you don't understand <laughs> what she's saying. Or I think of some people don't have the best relationships with their in-laws and they're like, hey, I would love to not be able to understand <laughs> what they're saying. Um, yeah. But what, I, but what I hear in your story though, too, is I think when you're in a multicultural family, it's not, it's not that it's, um, it's a maybe it's a must that you have to have such patience and you really mm -hmm. work harder for, I think all of your relationships. Cause they're not, nor it's not, it's not necessarily just, um, organic. I think there's a lot of like intentionality that mm -hmm. has to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Intention intentionality is a great way. It's a great word actually to describe, <laughs> um, what happens. And I think you, you become really intentional. Like, you know, that you want to put in the effort you want to get to know somebody you want to break the or cross the language barrier so you know uh, these things are always important and you know there are lots of challenges but then the joy that you get I mean the joys are just immense from living this rich multicultural life um, and so I think that's also not to be forgotten um, as we absolutely absolutely it's like you're you're doubly or maybe even three four times this challenge but I, I too believe and just only from experiencing that that you can also be three four times as blessed too. absolutely absolutely and so I'm curious also so I know we've talked a lot about there's really no prep there's no like life course that helps you really prepare for um blending you know cultures and living a multicultural life and so we've heard a little bit about your husband's upbringing and how it was his normal like to kind of make room for at least two cultures that we know of and two languages mm -hmm. and um two understandings now in your household um, would you say that that also was celebrated uh, do you mean for me in my uh, in my nuclear uh, family? In or? your like in your upbringing, sorry. Like I'm thinking about how maybe life prepped you or didn't prep you for your current your family with your kids. Meaning more of like your parents. Was it your normal to have a multicultural family? Um, not really. We were we were a bilingual family, for instance. So we certainly had that language exposure. Um, I actually I, I grew up in New York for quite a few years. Uh, <laughs> as you were mentioning, I was like, oh, we have something in common. Um, and uh, when we lived in New York in like the mid '80s, um, we, for instance, you know, we would speak um, Urdu at home. Uh, Urdu is the national language. We speak and then we would speak English outside the home you know friends and, and you know neighbors and teachers and doctors and you know the provider community so I, I, I grew up bilingually um, so that's something I shared with my husband who also grew up bilingually uh, with German and Italian and <laughs> fast forward to now when we're married and we have four native languages just between the two of us and it's like wait what language do we speak to our kids <laughs> huge huge decision um, but uh, as far as yes, I had a, a global outlook, but uh, you know, uh, it, it wasn't the same really. Um, and, and I'll just be very honest and say that you know, I'm the first person in my Pakistani family to marry someone outside of my culture, outside of my religion, outside of my nationality, outside of everything, really, outside of all parameters. Um, and it's, it's a pretty big deal, um, you know, because that's really not the norm. And so that was definitely something different. And um, I was definitely not, you know, prepared for all the different challenges that would come our way. Um, simply because, you know, I didn't know many people who had done the same thing before, so. Well, you know, it's like my, I can't even fathom everything. I, I feel like I only have a little bit of a taste of everything that you guys have encountered um, between the two of you. And I see you guys, you and your husband, uh, his name was Martino, right? That's right. Oh my gosh. How can I forget? It's it? the Italian it's name that started it all off. It just makes me blush even saying it. Like I just, uh, Martino, I love it. Um, you have to say it with that Italian accent. Um, but you and Martino, you know from the get-go to coming together it's like boom you had to confront all of these things right away as a multicultural couple and then transitioning of course into 
a multicultural family when you guys first started having children. <laughs> and uh, what would you say when you first started having kids? And I think you said, is did you have your, there was a, a girl, a baby girl first? You had your uh, that's first? right. That's right. Our oldest is, is, uh, is our daughter. Uh, her name is Mina and uh, she's turning nine next month. So oh in just about gosh. a week. <laughs> Mama. Oh, that's such a big age, right? It's the last, <laughs> yeah. last single digit, you know, yeah. before uh, you, you got, you've been a mom almost for a whole decade, but, but you still have it like a year over a year. So yeah. <laughs> ahead too much. Um, but thinking, so thinking back at during those early years, um, what would you say are some things you had to like learn how to confront right away um, when you first became a mom that maybe you weren't expecting? Hmm, that's a very good question. Very interesting to, to ponder. Um, so uh, just a bit of context. I was living in Copenhagen, Denmark when I found out mm. I was pregnant. Um, we lived there for four years, had a great time. And in fact, I had imagined having our first child in Denmark, in Copenhagen, which truly had become my home by then. Um, but when I was about four months pregnant, my husband Martina came home uh, with a box of Danish pastries and said, hey, what do you think about moving to Singapore? <laughs> and uh, it was truly the only move I remember being really hesitant to make, uh, simply because it, had, it was our first child. We had waited a long time to have her. There had been some battles with infertility prior to that. Um, and, and then the pregnancy had started. It wasn't exactly, uh, you know, everything uh, wasn't quite perfect. It was, it was a high-risk pregnancy to begin with. And I was really unsure if I could move continents and, and uh, go and, you know, live uh, in Singapore. Um, just, you know, uh, start over again at this critical time in life. But um, once the pregnancy stabilized and <laughs> everything was going much better, thankfully, we made the decision together, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna move to Singapore. It was the right move uh, from a family perspective. It was the right move from a career perspective. And so I arrived in Singapore five months pregnant and unemployed. And that's actually where I gave birth. So I quit my job, handed my resignation in Copenhagen, moved to Singapore and became a mom for the first time. And for me, becoming a mom for the first time uh, as an expat on completely foreign soil um, was truly, it was a huge, um, huge change in life. And it came with the loss of identity of my corporate career. Uh, it came with the huge loss of identity of like not knowing anything to begin with or anybody in Singapore for that matter. <laughs> and I think you could probably relate to that. Like you don't know people, you don't know, like you, you, you need to start from, from the beginning and make those contacts and get to know people and understand well, what, what's it like to be a parent here and where do I go for this and who do I call for this? I mean, you, you literally have to do all that research. And so, you know, I, I must say that Singapore was a really great place to become a mom for the first time. It's, you know, very expat friendly. Um, everything was in English, uh, so I could hit the ground running. Um, and that was very, you know, that was a huge, I think, advantage. I did learn some Mandarin, but at least I could, you know, <laughs> if things got tricky, revert to English and everybody, you know. And so um, it was actually ended up being a great way to meet people. Like I joined a lot of mom and baby groups. I did like everything from boot camp to book clubs <laughs> with other moms and really found my tribe. And so that was, it was a really great um, experience being a mom there for the first time. But I will tell you that the birth was just awful <laughs> because I developed preeclampsia, went oh. into, you know, it was a matter of life and death in the end. It was just crazy. But I was very grateful to be in Singapore with top, you know, top doctors, top medical system. I mean, it was even better than Denmark. So um, I received really the best medical care that any mom could, could ask for. And, um, and yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it all worked out. So it was incredibly stressful uh, becoming a mom for the first time away from family, away from everything I know, um, and dealing with the different losses because of different losses occurred at different levels. Um, but in the end, if I look back at it now, almost nine years later, yeah. uh, I think overall it was a great experience. 
sometimes only when looking back <laughs> can we say that, right? It Absolutely. It feels so overwhelming in the, in in the, the moment. Time, is overwhelming. The moment. Yes, yes. yes. The moment is overwhelming. Um, but when you look perhaps with hindsight, then it's, it's easy to see that actually everything worked out. You were in a great place. You got the support you needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a really family-friendly place. And, and Singapore actually was the place that taught me a lot about how to blend cultures. So I'm very grateful to Singapore because it's this multicultural, multilingual melting pot. And I saw so many families there, Cheyenne, who were sort of like, they were like our families, you know, like I would ask someone, oh, well, you know, where are you from? Or, you know, what's your background? And they'd say, oh, I'm I'm a Chindian. And I'd be like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like oh I'm I'm half Chinese half Indian so I'm a Chindian and you know and I'm, I've never heard of that before and and people there really embraced their multiculturalness um, which I thought was so beautiful and that's truly what inspired me uh, to live our multicultural life you know really proudly and openly and, and and share that you know beautiful journey along the way. Wow. Wow. I mean, it just feels like, you know, regardless of what anyone believes out there, whatever faith that we all have, it just feels like something was drawing you there. So yeah. it was like you were meant to be there for like your next step. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, wow, like that place prepared you so much in a way that I'm sure in the beginning it didn't feel like it. Because as you said, I, I so identify and, and I've talked with other multicultural moms, especially that give birth abroad. Um, it can feel so out of the norm and you're already like trying to discover yourself as a as a mom and like as a woman and what does this mean for my life now and um, I don't feel you know myself I don't feel myself in my body and yet doing it in a foreign culture and um, but I love that it seems like this place even though it was foreign it ended up like preparing you for your future multicultural life like even to embrace it even more how beautiful is that yeah it was truly the best preparation <laughs> I could have received so in hindsight very very grateful to have had the yeah and we and i think we the ladies and i that are listening we've so we heard that you guys went to singapore <laughs> oh those must have been some fantastic danish pastries i must say <laughs> he knew how to please our husband to his uh, pregnant wife yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so i'm curious with your moves as a family thus far mm -hmm. have they been mostly career moves or mm -hmm. yes they have yeah since since about denmark and singapore they've been yeah they've all been career moves for my husband husband's career. So as I shared, I grew up moving for my dad's career and then I moved for my own studies and my own job and my own career. And then since Denmark, well, since Germany, before Denmark, I was living in Berlin. So I moved to Berlin to be with my husband for love. And then after that, uh, it was all corporate moves um, for his uh, job and his career that took us to Copenhagen, Singapore, Dubai, Accra, Ghana, and now Lisbon, Portugal. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, my husband's going to be home in about a half an hour and I think I need to go get some Danish pastries and sit him down <laughs> and be like, baby, I'm getting stir crazy. I feel like we need to just move. We need to just pick up. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you actually, because I, I don't know what your experience has been like, but because me and my husband did have the experience of living in his hometown, uh, or not his hometown, but his home turf, because he's from a small town outside of Berlin. So we didn't live there, but we lived in Berlin where um, he's done his studies and had an apartment, etc. Um, but it was still, I think, for a multicultural couple, it's quite a big thing to move to one of the partners' home turf because the other partner then has to learn everything and doesn't know how anything works. Whereas one partner knows everything, which puts him or her in quite an advantageous situation, but puts the other one in quite a disadvantageous situation because they are the ones who need to really learn how things work and. For us, if I'm being very frank and very honest, and I'd love to know what other multicultural couples feel, but we just feel like we operate best on neutral ground. Mm -hmm. So live in a country where neither of us are from, where neither of us know how to do things, neither of us speak the language, both of us have to learn everything together. And that really helped us to come together as a team and really, you know, be that adventurous couple because we were in it together, you know. And, and, and so for me, 
like our I'm very honest in saying that our multicultural marriage works best on neutral ground and that's one of the reasons why we live this expat life because we enjoy this process and we enjoy not having to conform to just one way or the other but having the freedom to choose how we shape our life and our family Oh, you got me like feeling like I'm in church right now. I just want to say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we, get, we can get all Southern Baptists going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I love that. I mean, it's just, it is, it's so true. And I would encourage any mom listening to at least think about it, you know, like if it's at all possible in your, you know, in your family's life to at least embrace diversity embrace culture even in your own city like seek it mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. you know because yes Miriam your experience is very much my experience um except that my husband and I have not um found neutral ground just yet as far as uh, we <laughs> haven't moved um anywhere but it, it's funny you say yeah. that because um it is very interesting it's uh because I am here in my husband's hometown I moved here for love but uh, m- m- mostly because of his daughter is here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. he would have loved to have moved to this states and I think that's in our our long-term goals eventually mm-hmm. um, but it is so funny when it's like this is his normal so it kind of s- falls into the background of his mind I don't know if that's a way of describing right. it but right. like he doesn't see as much as what I'm going through mm-hmm. be- not purposely but like you said so poignantly yeah. like it's it's his turf like yeah. you're just looking at it through different eyes or a different set of lens you know yeah. and for you everything is new for you it would be like right well you know where do I go to get I don't know Danish pastries in, in Belgium <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm gonna find out. <laughs> yeah so I, I really get that and the only reason I say it is because I've been in that position I've yeah. been in your position where my partner can speak the language my partner can go to the bank my partner is not the one having a meltdown in the grocery store because he can't remember what breadcrumbs are called in German and is too afraid to go and ask like that was me you know mm. um I I felt like I'd become illiterate overnight I, I couldn't read the newspaper I couldn't understand what was being said you know on the subway like and just mundane announcements you know like this train is canceled please take you know train xyz yes. but when you have no contact and you can't understand the small talk people are making around you Um, gosh, that's that's an interesting feeling, isn't it? Um, Because you just tune out and then it's you in your own world and you don't really have that context of what's happening um, until perhaps you learn the language and are able to do that. But that's also a a journey to go through. So, um, yeah, it can be very interesting. But I always say that perhaps you don't necessarily even have to move to a new country, but you can find neutral ground, metaphorically speaking, in so many different ways in your relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny, because even with your story, um, sharing that you guys both come from different religions as well. It's like, I feel like that could also be um, Mm -hmm. a neutral ground to discover, you know, or uh, whether it's even food, or there's so (laughs) many different ways, so many different norms that we all come from that I feel like you're right, that couples can come together and discover like a new land, a new foundation, or maybe to build upon where they're both kind of coming at it, um, from lack of a better word word is noobs newbies you know like um together so you're right it's like I feel like it can be such an enriching atmosphere to learn from a spouse like that Mm -hmm. maybe has a higher a better strength and where something is a weakness but when you guys both come together and it's you know maybe a weakness or just a point that you both don't understand as well there can be such beauty in growing in it together Mm -hmm. absolutely I agree and so I really love um, hearing your journey going from Denmark, going to Singapore and all of the changes you had to all of a sudden really just embrace, you know, when mm-hmm. you became a mom there in Singapore. And then earlier in the episode, you shared with us that you then had two more babies and one was born in Dubai. And then uh, your last one was born in Portugal, where you are now. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear um, how were those experiences different now that you had already given birth abroad? 
Um, to be honest, the, so they were both very different, but the second birth um, was a lot easier. I knew what to expect. Um, and as per my tradition, when I was living in Singapore with a toddler, um, I found out I was pregnant again with our second <laughs> child. And a few months into the pregnancy, Martino came and said, you know, there's this great job offer in Dubai and I really think we should consider it. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, oh my God, what again? this is like a deja vu like it seems wow. like I'm not meant to see out a pregnancy in one country um, and on the other hand I knew that I had done it once I could do it again um, and yeah. the second pregnancy wasn't entirely uh, it was it was much more stable it wasn't as high risk as the first time um, because we knew what the complicating factors were so I was being monitored for everything which made me feel more supported um, uh, so you know after much hesitation and uh, what should we do and you know back and forth we said yes to Dubai so I arrived in the Arabian desert six months I think five months pregnant almost six months pregnant in the second trimester um, and you know it was over 45 degrees because um, that's how hot it is <laughs> in wow. Dubai in the summer. So I'm just sitting there in the hotel room, just eating ice, like glass <laughs> full of ice, just sweating. Sure. Absolutely, like the air conditioning is on full, but you're still so hot because mm-hmm. it feels like someone's holding a uh, a hair dryer on your head. Um, yeah, but I have to say that Dubai worked out pretty well. Again, a very multicultural environment, great medical, um, you know, support, great hospitals. I gave birth at the American Hospital in Dubai and I had a really, really good experience. Um, So I have to say that uh, the second time around, I really felt more in control. Like I knew what I was doing and I didn't have uh, as much of an identity shock as I did the first time, which I guess is true for every mom. And I also really felt like I was, you know, I had a good handle on things. And Dubai was also a great place to raise a family. And in the end, I really did enjoy that experience. So I would say Dubai and Singapore are pretty similar in terms of how they worked out. Um, and after that, of course, we we left Dubai and moved to Ghana, where I was not pregnant. I didn't have any babies in Ghana. But uh, <laughs> towards the end of our stint in Ghana, I did discover I was pregnant with our third child. And that was, um, you know, quite... Uh, a thing because Ghana is a hardship country and of course the hardship is that you know the hospitals and the medical care is not as advanced there as it would be in many other parts of the world and um, I found out I was having another high-risk pregnancy so of course that was quite a big concern because Ghana just simply did not have the medical equipment and the knowledge to support me if anything should go wrong. It would have been okay had everything gone according to plan and it was a textbook pregnancy, but were something to go wrong, that was where the doubt and the hesitation was. So I knew quite early on that I would not be giving birth in Ghana. I just didn't know where I would be giving birth. And then, of course, the whole pandemic hit um, and uh, we found out that our next posting was going to be Portugal, Lisbon, which we were very, very excited about. Uh, we'd been to Lisbon before. We, we you know, had visited it and we really liked it. So there was no hesitation about moving to Lisbon. Um, but because the pandemic hit, um, we couldn't leave Ghana. The international border shut down. Um, it was a very stressful position to be in. And I knew I had a very short window of opportunity to fly out, given the high-risk nature of this pregnancy. Um, so uh, to make a long story short, we were evacuated out of Ghana by the Italian embassy to Rome. Um, and uh, we're all Italian citizens. Uh, ironically, we're all Italian citizens, even though we've never lived in Italy. That's a whole different <laughs> story. Oh my but... gosh. I'm going to need you on about three podcasts to cover <laughs> yeah. all this epicness. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I just want to clarify I've never lived in Italy, even though I Not am an Italian yet, citizen. <laughs> yes. And ironically, it's the only citizenship our family shares in common. And actually, that, that does bring up a point I should raise is that when you are in a multicultural family, try to make sure if you can have at least one one citizenship in common for each mm, each of you, mm-hmm. for each family member. Because um, with this global life, sometimes you might find yourself in a position or in a situation where, where that comes to your rescue, where it's one embassy who can take care of all of you. Um, 
and that truly was the case for us. So we were able to get um, evacuated and we arrived in Rome and I was, you know, uh, 24 weeks pregnant, I think, yeah, 24 weeks pregnant. And, you know, we um, eventually made our way to, to Portugal and um, I don't know if you've been following my story on Instagram, but uh, the last, the third child, my last birth was truly uh, completely, completely stressful, so chaotic, nothing went according to plan. I went into preterm labor uh, just four days after arriving in Lisbon, um, and I found myself, you know, in an ambulance being being sent to, uh, you know, the top maternity ward here uh, at a Lisbon hospital. And because of COVID, I had to be alone, hospitalized until I gave birth because the risk of letting me go was, you know, was, was too high. And so I couldn't see my husband, couldn't see my kids, um, was in a completely Portuguese environment, didn't speak a word of Portuguese, didn't understand uh, even the medical culture or what, you know, didn't have any context really. And I had to be my own best advocate in that setting, in this high charged environment of not knowing what's going to happen with your baby. So it would have been a stressful situation even if I was on home turf, um, but to do this on foreign soil was really, really stressful. But I do have to say that the care we received was good. And in the end, I managed to hold off for another five weeks. So our, our son, our third baby, uh, was born at around 31 weeks. Um, so he was quite premature, um, but everything went well. He spent a lot of time in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. Again, a very stressful experience, even if you're in your home uh, country, um, you know, and, and we did it without any family support, any, you know, anybody right. that we knew because we just, mm -hmm. so it was incredibly stressful. Um, we had to take COVID tests every day just to be able to be allowed to see, go in to see our son. And it's just a really stressful period. But, you know, everything said and done. He did really, really well. He, um, you know, came home when he was, oh, I think, about a month and a half. And, um, yeah, we, I say came home. I mean, we'd moved into our new house. <laughs> so it didn't really feel like home at that point. Um, but our stuff had just started our, 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 you know, life as a family of five. <laughs> and a whole new country. It was just <laughs> like, wow. So there's a lot of change to go through and uh, quite, quite, quite a stressful move, quite a stressful pregnancy given, you know, the turn it took. But uh, here I am, almost eight months later, feeling a lot more settled uh, into life here. And really now at the stage where I'm, I'm getting to know different families and meeting up with other moms, and now I can say slowly things are falling into place, but it's taken a while. Wow, it really teaches you to just, yeah, like you said, kind of be patient mm -hmm. and to let go and surrender because you've had such different experiences in every country and especially with your children, just every country kind of had its own ups and downs and, and it's like now you're just kind of going with the flow. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's so important as a mom that you discover what works for you and you know yourself really, really well. And, you know, I'm the kind of person, Cheyenne, like I, I make decisions on gut instinct, you know, and I ask a lot of questions, which doesn't always work very well in different cultures, depending on the culture. Because, you know, sometimes it'd be like, well, who is this crazy woman who's here, you know, challenging the way we do things, right? right. right. Like, totally. You know, because when you haven't lived abroad, you're just used to just one way of doing things. But when right. you lived and moved in so many Places, and you've been pregnant in so many different places, you've been birthed all around the world, you're like, I know this is not the only way to do things, but what about this approach? What about we try this if it to be this, you know? So um, I think that's truly what all this moving around has taught me in terms of motherhood is that develop your own instinct, be your be own best advocate because no one else is going to do that for you. Mm. And I think it's an instinct that serves really well into motherhood as well you know it applies to really everything and anything you do you know in your journey as a mom um, but it's so important especially when you're parenting on foreign soil as an expat mom that you develop that confidence and ability to to know what's best for yourself and not be afraid to share it 
Absolutely. I think sharing in the journey and, and finding that connection maybe with other expat moms is, mm-hmm. is so crucial and so um, important. And something you've really taught me just through getting to know you, but especially during this podcast is that you learn by doing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you, you really um, figure out, I feel like what works for you as a mom by action, taking action by the doing and figuring out along the way. And, and that's how you kind of, I think, flex that confidence muscle. And you've shown that just with your own life experience. Yeah, it's, it's so important. And I think you have to trust yourself. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you when you do this and you're away from your family or your loved ones and you don't have your mom who could just come mm. over or you don't have, you know, your sister to call or your best friend or, you know, whoever it is, uh, you do realize, A, that, you know, you need to figure things out yourself. And B, I would say that you really do need to build that support system for yourself um, and reach out to other moms, to be honest. That's one of the biggest, you know, learnings for me is that, you know, I may be doing this away from my family, but I shouldn't be doing this alone. Like I should have a support system. I should have somebody to WhatsApp and ask, well, where can I buy this? And is this normal? And, you know, like all those questions that you have, right? So um, definitely, you know, build that support system for yourself and, and get out there and do that. And I know it's, um, I know you've become a mom in pandemic times and I've had a third baby in pandemic times and I can tell you it's a lot more difficult right now to do that because you're not able to socialize perhaps or you're not able to meet as many people. So there's that added complexity that the pandemic has brought to expat motherhood. Um, but on the other hand, then everything has gone virtual and perhaps you can you know, at least connect with people online and until it's possible to meet offline or in person again but anything is better than nothing so that would be my (laughs) that would be my message yeah exactly oh i love it i love that's really the bare bones of the kind of creation story of this podcast and why it (laughs) came about and was birthed is because i too uh kind of just yeah by doing it myself figuring it out the hard way like realizing wow man i need support i need to to create community because because community is almost not existent at this point, um, at least in the beginning of the pandemic. And so I realized, okay, I have to, as you said, um, I have to be my own advocate. I have to take Um, you know, initiative, put on my own big girl boots, you know, pull up my bootstraps and like, go for it. And and, and I really, with, with reaching out, I have found um, such amazing community like yourself, you know, and, uh, and other women that have lived a very similar story. And, And I love that when you step out in our modern age and with technology, it's like, it's amazing how many people Um, that you find that story like echoes your own that sounds so similar that is so true (laughs) very very true yeah and i love that something you reminded me of and what you were just sharing that i i had to experience myself is when you move to a foreign country and especially if you become a mom or you're becoming a wife or just Mm -hmm. taking on these different new roles it's it's almost like i experienced an unknowing and a knowing of myself for the first time it was or like an unlearning I had to that's what's amazing is you can move into a new culture and speak a new language or be around different customs and traditions and it can feel so isolating you can feel so like who am I like this is not what I'm used to but then I think the beauty in it is that you're really caught it really causes you to really get to know yourself in Mm -hmm. any circumstance like no matter Mm -hmm. where you are in the world I'm figuring out who you are deep within that is so true I think and it's a really this unique opportunity isn't it that not everybody gets a chance to do which is why I'm all (laughs) I'm so excited that we get the chance or the privilege to have that experience of living abroad and and going through that you know journey and knowing what's important and how am I going to deal with this and all of that I mean the just the way that you discover about yourself it's it's incredible and it's it's such a rich process (laughs) that's why I keep doing it over and over again (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. I feel like this will not be the last uh, last we hear from you uh, moving countries. I'm not sure if it'll take another pregnancy um, for you to. <laughs> oh gosh, I really need to put an end to that tradition of being pregnant and moving and then showing up in a new country oh. unemployed, wondering, ah, oh, where do I right? start? <laughs> oh my gosh, maybe you're passing the baton, you know, maybe yes, I, I think it's women. about time I did. I mean, yeah. three kids later, I think, you know, it's time to pass it on to someone oh else. Gosh. Um, for sure. <laughs> and well, and speaking of your three kids, as we kind of bring this uh, episode mm-hmm. to a close for now, um, you shared very in the beginning um, when we shared or you you shared, I should say that you said, Cheyenne, no one teaches you how to blend cultures. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like you get a, a book or a lesson. And now you have three kids growing up amongst all these different cultures, faiths, beliefs, customs. Um, would you mind sharing just a little bit of kind of how you and your husband do it? Like, how do you guys find um, some or what are maybe some best practices and how you blend cultures with your children, and your family? Sure. Um, I, I, I can I have like a few like top tips perhaps I could share. Yeah. Um, I guess the first one would be to not gloss over your differences um don't pretend that you're not different (laughs) because you are um so i would say or i would encourage people to actively like consciously intentionally discuss your differences um and your partner's differences and how you think is the best way to do something because once you open the channels of communication it truly does help you to see where you're coming from and where your partner is coming from and then figure out how you're going to go ahead and you know do this together So I think that is truly uh, something important is not to gloss over your differences, acknowledge them and say, right, well, you know, we do things very differently, but this is it. So how are we going to do things together going, you know, going forward? Mm. Um, I think also if you, I think you need to accept, the second tip would be to accept that your life won't be the same or it won't be the same normal that you're used to. Um, if you especially come from a very monocultural environment where you grew up with just one culture and your family life was shaped by that, then finding yourself in a very multicultural environment and, and raising your own multicultural family is going to feel so different to you, which is which is absolutely normal because you didn't grow up that way. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think... Like for me and my husband, for instance, just to give a quick example, just to agree on what would be an acceptable bedtime for our kids was like, whoa, coming at it from two different perspectives, right? And so it's like simple decisions, which on the face of it, you're like, oh, okay, well, that (laughs) that doesn't even sound like a topic or a decision to make. But, you know, given different cultures where let's say kids are allowed to stay up longer versus cultures where kids aren't supposed to be seen or heard after 6 p.m., you know, it's you're coming at it from two different angles. So you need to accept that and you need to find your common ground. Again, going back to the first tip, like through open communication and I mean, our parenting styles differ a lot. And I guess, <laughs> for instance, if I take the kids to the playground, you know, I am quite a South Asian mom in the sense that I will be watching them quite carefully, you know, and I'll mm-hmm. step in if needed. I'll step in to help if needed. Like if one of them is, you know, if my toddler is, let's say, tumbling on a slide or whatever it is, you know, or if let's say he's not patiently waiting for his turn at the slide, you know, mm-hmm. which happens all the time, I, I will step <laughs> in to say, well, why don't you let this child go ahead first and then it's your turn, you know, whatever it is. And if you see my husband, who has a very German approach to thing, um, he, uh, you know, he'll go to the playground and he'll be there at a distance. Mm-hmm. And he, he lets the children interact with their environment. And he would very rarely step in unless it's like, you know, it's an emergency or something, of course. But, but, you know, for him, it's about a playground. It's about teaching them independence and teaching them how to learn new skills. And uh, if he steps in, that would just negate <laughs> half of the process. So, you know, we're looking at it from very different angles where I might look at him on the playground and say, well, you're not even involved. Like you're mm-hmm. sitting on the bench all the way over there, you know, um, and and. He might say, well, why are you being this Right. Right. So, you know, so and and the reason we know all this is because, you know, how you grow up, how you grew up, your culture really impacts your parenting. You may not even realize it because that's just the norm for you. 
until you <laughs> perhaps are with a partner who views things differently and does things differently. So it's important to have all those conversations. And I think for us, I mean, what really works well is that we try to keep our kids, um, you know, we they are being raised with this perfect blend of East meets West. So mm-hmm. they uh, know that they are, you know, if I'm cooking Pakistani food or if it's rice or something, they know it's acceptable to eat it with their hands because that's actually what is done in that culture. And they know that if they're sitting in Germany with their grandparents, uh, that they're going to be using a knife and fork there and probably be eating very different food. So, you know, and then given the fact that a child is born in Singapore and is a master with chopsticks because that's what she started using <laughs> first <laughs> in awesome. her life. You know, um, it's just it's just where this blend of different cultures and I sometimes liken us to like a marble cake where, you know, you've got that chocolate batter and that vanilla batter. But until you put it in the oven, you don't exactly know what it's going to come out looking like. Like what mix is it going to be? Um, how many swirls will there be, you know, in one uh, piece of that marble cake? And that's sort of how we are or that's how we feel sometimes that we are this blend of different you know, cultures and countries and nationalities and languages and our sense of home is just completely different. But we come together to form something really, really, uh, you know, amazing and delicious. Um, I'm going to say very <laughs> yummy. Let's not forget that a yes. cake is delicious. Yes. I feel like there's a theme in this podcast with the pastries and the cake yes. and, and everything, uh, perhaps. But, uh, but, you know, sort of that's how it is. Like, you, if you view your, your multicultural family like a rich marble cake and and, and leave a little bit of chance, so, you know, you know, just to see what ingredients you're putting in there and then let it happen, you know, naturally and see what comes out. I think that's sort of what our approach has been. So <laughs> that's what I'd share with, uh, with our listeners. That is your story and you're sticking to it. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And I'm sure many moms like myself may be writing down some recipe ideas or um, looking for their nearest sweets. But it really is. That was a beautiful analogy. I think that, you know, it is like a marble cake or maybe like a crock pot recipe where you put in all these different flavors and only when they're mixed together well and every flavor has its own uniqueness, but mm-hmm. it has their own spot. It's like that's when they're come together is when it's mm-hmm. like you said that richness and that wow and when it really is the best the best tasting uh, I love it you have been such an amazing guest and um, before uh, we have to end today I would love it if there's uh, any resources that you would like to recommend uh, especially for multicultural and blending your family and including I definitely would love um, you to share your own social media so moms if they'd like to get in mm-hmm. touch with you they can do so Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It was a very fun way to spend my Tuesday afternoon chatting <laughs> like <with> you. <laughs> so thank you for that. And yes, I mean, I'd be happy to share resources and happy to share where other moms can uh, connect with me. Um, I'm on uh, social media, so I write about this uh, living our expat life and raising our multicultural and multilingual kids. Um, and uh, my blog is called and then we moved to.com and that's the handle that you'll find me on on social media as well so on instagram it's at and then we moved to and the same for facebook and the same for twitter in case you're reading stuff on twitter um and uh, yeah in terms of resources for for families out there uh, i have written a book on this topic um it's called this messy mobile life and it's a guidebook for multicultural multilingual and mobile families and a lot of the topics that we discussed today are covered in detail in the book i talk a lot about how to blend cultures how to mix languages and how to layer your different identities and show you what you come up with so that's a really fun exercise to do with other families and you know it's a it's a really great thing to sort of talk about and there are plenty plenty more resources that i mentioned in the book for instance one of them that i really follow myself as well is um jerry jones who is a writer uh, at the culture blend i don't know if you've uh, read his stuff but his website is www i think dot 
thecultureblend.com. And he uh, is an American man uh, raising, you know, his um, adoptees, racially very different adoptees. One's Chinese American, one is African American in China, <laughs> and just really rich experiences. So he writes about blending cultures um, really well. So that would be another great resource I would recommend for multicultural families. Excellent. Yeah, that one's new for me. So I jotted that down right now. And uh, all the moms listening, I have taken very thorough notes on all the resources, including her social media. So I'll make sure I have that in the show notes um, below. And then I wanted to ask you, Miriam, The Messy Mobile Life, your guidebook, um, Mm -hmm. can mamas actually get that through your social media if they wanted to buy it? Um, yes, well, there's information on my social media, which will probably then take them to um, anywhere where you can buy books, whether it's Amazon or whether it's Barnes & Noble or whether it's Book Depository or Waterstone or Expat Bookshop. Um, it depends on where you're located, but but definitely you're, you're welcome to contact me and I, I can help guide you further um, <laughs> on how to get your hands on this messy awesome. mobile life. <laughs> there you go. If you've got a mobile there you go she will hook you up <laughs> awesome oh my gosh Miriam I am giving you a huge hug not too oh, far away <laughs> here over in Belgium and I just want to say uh, maybe I can say obrigada yeah yeah oh gosh your Portuguese is good <laughs> thank you that's about all I've got I, I'm gonna definitely send off some uh, thanks to my Brazilian friends around uh-huh. the world <laughs> uh-huh. I knew there must be a connection somewhere that's how I got there absolutely but uh, truly thank you so much for just sharing your story being so real My and authentic pleasure. and uh, I really really truly meant it what I said earlier I think uh, I, I would be honored to and uh, to interview you again in the future I feel sure. like you have so much more to share um, but for now I know that this is going to be one episode that's going to bless so many mamas out there as I am one of them so thank you so much for being here today my pleasure thank you for having me it's it's been really wonderful Likewise. Oh, mamas out there, thank you so much for joining Miriam and I today. If you're a multicultural mama, I cannot urge enough, do not walk, run to Miriam's page. It is full of so much great content. It shows so many highs and lows of her own journey. And I know you'll leave there feeling inspired as I'm sure you already know from listening to this podcast today. I am so proud of each one of you mamas taking the time today to listen in, to tune in, to give yourself this space in your life and remember that your story matters too if you'd like to be on a future episode of moms matter feel free to reach out to me on my instagram at the claimants that's the c-l-e-y-m-a-n-s and i would love to feature you on a future episode until then you guys have an absolutely beautiful day and we will connect soon on another episode